I just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Live Today Live. Good to have you guys here. Jump on in. Chat is open if you're watching us live. If you're watching us in the replay, I do appreciate your comments actually later. And uh, do read those. So, uh, One of the things that we like to do here at Live Today, both here and on the broadcast show, is to bring you stories of people who uh, have really faced some difficult circumstances. Uh, they have walked into the, some of the darkest areas and come out of it. Uh, and it, the reason for that is because our testimony is powerful uh, and it, it can bring hope to people who are in the darkness to shine a little bit of light. And today is really one of those stories. And my guest uh, is, is Michelle Horde, and she has a book where she tells a, a lot of the story. It's called The Other Side of Yet. It looks just like this. It's available wherever you get books. But, uh, I really think you're going to be interested in her story. Um, it's a tough one, but it's also an encouraging one. And so appreciate you guys being here. Hello, Judy. Hope you're feeling well today. Uh, the others that are watching live, glad to have you. Michelle, it's great to have you on Live Today Live. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So um, anybody that's watching right now, they're like, oh, that's an interesting background. And you will get to understand that here in just a second. Uh, but Michelle, kind of walk us through a lot of what you've been through and what you're kind of going through in the book uh, because it really sets the stage I think for uh, the the hope really that you have found and that you bring mm -hmm. well you know today is an interesting day for us to chat because today is National Grief Awareness Day mm -hmm. um, and it's a day that I think is getting a little um, more airtime these days, but but really is for those who are suffering and dealing with grief. And for me, um, wanting to get the message out that regardless of what you're going through, that God can be there for you and God can perform a miracle in your darkest spaces. So my personal story, I um, am a television producer. I've uh, started my career at America's Most Wanted many moons ago. And uh, my first big job there was covering missing children's stories. Mm. And I remember my boss at the time saying, gee, kid, it's a good thing you're young and you're not married and you don't have kids because you just couldn't do this job. And it was it was powerful because you would walk into people's lives at the worst possible moment. Mm -hmm. You know, the thought of losing a child, the thought of a child being kidnapped or missing. I mean, I don't think there's anyone, whether you're a parent or not, who could imagine anything, you know, scarier. And uh, it was a great first job. It certainly taught me empathy. It certainly taught me that God can bring people through extraordinary circumstances. Ordinary people can step up with his help and his, and his support. And then later in my career, I, I got married in my late 30s to someone who I'd known since I was in college. He was my brother's roommate in college. And um, you know, throughout our 20s, we kept in touch, but I was in one state, he was in another state, everybody's kind of scrambling and trying to figure out their lives. And eventually, we were both in New York and got married um, in 2007. And we're incredibly blessed in 2009, uh, when I gave birth to our daughter, Gabrielle. And that was after a 
lifetime really of hearing from doctors that I may not be able to have a child. Mm -hmm. And when it was time for her to show up. She just showed up. No problems. Mm -hmm. I was 39 years old. Um, so she really was my miracle baby. And, um, you know, I think then when you have a child, your appreciation for those stories you hear on the news for, you know, oh, yeah. horrible stories, it just becomes something completely different, oh, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Such a visceral reaction to it. And so I started to even understand the work I had done earlier in my career differently once I became a parent. Yeah. Uh, and that would be interesting if that was the end of the story. But it's not. Um, what, what happened? Because I, I can't. It, it, the, the almost irony that you worked in a place where you were dealing with some of these things and then what happened with you, it's just it's mind boggling. Tell us what happened. Yes. So unfortunately, at some point, several years into my marriage, after marriage counseling, Christian counseling, it became really clear that our marriage was not going to work. And so I asked for a divorce. And unfortunately, it was very tumultuous. I wound up moving out of the house while we worked out, you know, custody agreements and financial agreements. And on June 5th, 2017, um, my then husband met with me to sign the divorce papers. And I went back to my rental home. I called my friends, my prayer warriors. We were crying. We were laughing. We were celebratory because it felt like, okay, now life is about to start over. Now I can get on to the next chapter. And that particular night, my daughter Gabrielle was sleeping over at her dad's house because we would go back and forth. And the next day I went to work anticipating meeting them at the house when I got off of work so that we could talk about next steps in terms of living arrangements. And at about three o'clock that day, my phone rang. And, you know, as the mother of a young child, your phone becomes like a third arm. It's an appendage. And I looked down quickly and had missed a call and saw it was from our caregiver, uh, who's actually a deacon at our church. Mm -hmm. And when I called her back, I just heard this blood curdling scream. And it was clear she had walked into a crime scene. Mm -hmm. It wasn't exactly clear at that moment what had happened, but I just told her to get out and call 911. And then your mind races, right? Like everything slows down. And my initial thought was that my uh, husband had killed himself mm -hmm. and that Gabrielle was at school and that I would need to get to the school. And how on earth was I going to, to process this and, and deal with this with her? And then I started to get this dark sinking feeling. And I called a fellow mom who um, usually was there at the beginning of the day and asked her if she had seen Gabrielle that morning. And she said no. And at that moment, I went and found in what they call, you know, the phone booth now in these conference centers and shut the door, shut off the lights, got on the floor on my knees and said, God, I don't know what this is, but whatever it is, please just give me the strength to endure it. And then took what felt like the slowest ride ever in my life to get back to our family home where my husband had carried me over the threshold, where we brought our little baby girl home, excited and scared like most first time parents, just seven and a half years prior. And the first person I saw was my pastor and he almost grabbed me out of the car and, and hugged me and said, it's, it's true. And uh, unfortunately my husband had murdered our daughter and was in police custody. How old was Gabrielle at the time? 
she was seven. She would say she was seven and three quarters hmm. because she was at that age where every month counted. So we were just just two months shy of her eighth birthday, almost the end of the second grade. I, uh, I mean, I, I know people who have lost a child to you know a car wreck, uh, recently hmm. cancer. Um, I, I that heartache, I can't. I, I, I it it hurts just that, hmm. but. To, to have your own child murdered by your spouse, I, 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 I just, I can't comprehend it. How did you, what, what do you do? Well, I think, you know, this is how we know that there is power outside of our own frail human power. Hmm. Um, because this was worse than my worst nightmare. Yeah. You know, for all the stories I did, you know, my husband, while we had our problems, had worked on presidential campaigns. We all had gone to church together every Sunday. This was not a home where there was abuse or threat of violence. Um, and so two things came to me immediately as I was being driven back to the rental home from the crime scene. The first was that whatever God had for me to do in this world must be so powerful that the devil came at me with all of his weapons with everything he had and that my defiance um i call it defiant faith in my book mm -hmm. was not going to allow him to take me out mm -hmm. and the second thing was a verse from the book of job which i googled on my phone because i wanted to make sure i had it right and the, the beginning of that verse is though he slay me yet will i trust him mm -hmm. And that stuck with me. Uh, it inspired the title of the book, but more importantly, it became a battle cry um, of, I, I, I can't believe this has happened. I'll never understand that it's happened, but it's happened. And how do I transition to that other side of yet and focus on my trust in God? I, and I, I admire that and I agree with that. And I still, in my humanity, I struggle with that. In fact, you mentioned Job. I've always thought, when I read that story, and you, you see how, you know, he lost his family. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how, how, how is that fair to his family? You know, it's like, I, 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 I trust, I, I have to go back to just trusting God who has an eternal view who knows way more than I do, who is far better. He is he is good. He doesn't just do good. He is good, mm -hmm. and he is love. I have to rest in that because otherwise I go, this is not fair to Gabrielle, mm -hmm. you know, uh, aside from the, the trauma of, of, of those who knew her and your, the, her mother, right? Mm -hmm. I go, I, I don't know. I, do, do you? Do you not struggle with this as much as I would, you know? And, and I guess, like you say, I'm not, I haven't been there, and I thank God I haven't. And maybe there's a grace that, that I just don't, I haven't experienced because I haven't had to. But what, what do you, I don't know. How do you, have you had to process these things? I, I guess you have. I've, yeah. I've had to process all of it. Yeah. Um, for starters, it was five years ago. It never goes away. Mm. Um, there isn't a day that I don't think about her. Um, the background that you mentioned earlier is a playground that's part of a nonprofit that I started in her memory. So I try now to do good works in her name. And, you know, I have wrestled with, I had friends 
Christian friends who would say things to me about God's will and God not giving us anything we can't handle, which has to be one of the most misunderstood, misinterpreted, taken out of context verses in the Bible, because <laughs> it's not. Um, but I, I do think that sometimes we're afraid to talk about evil. The Bible does talk about evil and evil forces and wrestling not against flesh and blood. And so for starters, I believe that this was something evil. Mm. Um, I do not believe that God did this to my child. Yeah. Um, and I think the peace that surpasses all understanding that, that, that we hear about is what he's given me. And that is to know she is with him, that he can take what was meant for evil and use it for good, which is what I try to do every day and what I try to uh, do in her memory to help other children every day. And that there are things of this world that just will never add up. Turn on any morning TV show, whether it's a flood or a tornado or a school shooting, there are horrible injustices. There's famine that happen all around us and all around the world. And I think sometimes we can somewhat, modern culture has made us somewhat anesthetized to just the gravity of how much suffering is in this world. Um, but the reality is God is love and pick up your cross and walk means that we all have some cross to bear in this world. And hopefully we can take up that cross and use it to his glory and use it um, as mission work, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that, so um, this is the book, The Other Side of Yet by Michelle Horde. And the subtitle, Finding Light in the Midst of Darkness. Uh, is, is that some of the light that you just spoke of that you found? Um, and what would be other sources of light? in the darkness, because that is a dark place. It's a very dark place. She was my only child. I was 39. So at that point, the chances of me, you know, being able to have another child, um, you know, were, were not what they would have been. You know, the light began with people saying to me, Michelle, I heard you speak at Gabrielle's funeral. I heard you talk about God and your faith. I hadn't prayed in years. I started going back to church. You know, I was so inspired. Um, I'm praying with you and for you. There were weekly prayer calls that were started. And I realized that the initial light was really light that was coming through the holes in my heart that other people were able to see and I wasn't. Hmm. And so I followed that. And in following that, realized that if I could get outside of myself, if I could focus on how God could use even this horrible thing, even this unthinkable thing, that that is where I would find the light. And it was true. And it is in, it is in telling the story. It is in hopefully offering others hope who are in dark places. It is in doing hopefully good for children who look like my daughter, who are in disadvantaged communities and offering them educational and cultural um, support and scholarships. Hmm. Oh, okay, so the, I'm guessing that's a part of the foundation work that you do. Yes, yes it is. Yes it is, Gabrielle's Wings is the name of the foundation. We started several months after 
Um, I lost my daughter because it was important to me that her legacy be bigger than what happened to her. And so we've been blessed to do work on three continents so far and to uh, donate more than $450,000 to various uh, services and organizations. I love that. I love that. I I do have to ask, what happened to your husband, ex-husband? Yes, uh, he uh, pled not guilty, um, although he had admitted on the scene to the police and we had to go to a trial um, and he was convicted um, of murder and is currently serving 25 years to life. Uh, What do you do with that? Because, I mean, this was the man that you loved, you know, Uh, and I understand, obviously, that there was already a, a sort of a death of relationship going on there. Um, are, do you just bear, have you just kind of buried that chapter of your life in a sense, uh, or, or I don't know, what does that do? You know, uh, people talk a lot about forgiveness. And for me, the person I knew doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when I saw the first mugshot, when I would see him in court, Um, It took two years not just to get through the criminal trial, but it took two years for me to actually get divorced from him while he was behind bars. And so what replaced the person I knew um, was not anything I recognized. Mm -hmm. And I even changed his name in the book because the person I knew was gone. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I, I, I pity him because he loved his daughter and the weakness and sickness and darkness that must have overtaken him um, is unimaginable to me based on the person I knew. So I, I don't allow hate. I don't allow, frankly, much thought of him outside of ensuring that whatever earthly justice could happen would happen to enter my mind. And instead I've chosen to turn a corner and to focus on the future. Um, And, you know, one of the things I talk about in the book is, you know, thank God most people will not have my experience, right? That they don't have this type of loss, but we all have losses. You know, National Grief Awareness Day is about whether it's remembering your mother or a cousin or a friend, loss of a marriage, loss of a child who committed suicide as an adult, right? We There are so many different things that we go through. And so for me, there are things that you have to leave behind when you're grieving and moving on. And there are things that you take with you because they're too important to leave behind. Yeah. And one of those things for me was my former mother-in-law, his mother, who had gone to church with us every Sunday, who frankly co-parented with me, wow. who I adored and who's in her 80s and this was her only child that did this to her only grandchild Mm. so once i was through the court process and was able to be in touch with her again i reached out and she now goes to church with me the same church that we went to with her son and my daughter Uh, we go to church together every sunday again so to me that's the light you know that is how god can continue to work even in these type of circumstances. I, I, I added to the list of things I can't imagine, but I can't imagine the pain of your child doing this. Absolutely. You know? Uh, Absolutely. Oh, boy, God, it's just, it's so tough all around. Now you meant, 
you talk about the grieving process, um, and I'm just curious, what did that look like for you? Because I know a lot of people, I, I imagine that someone has seen you and heard the things you, you have said just like today and thought, did she really grieve or is this just denial? Mm. I'm assuming that you have really processed the grief. I have and continue mm. to really process the grief yeah. every single day. Every single day, there are still a lot of sleepless nights. Mm. There are still a lot of trauma, um, PTSD. There are triggers. You know, if you go to social media, whether it's seeing friends and their kids go back to school who were the same age as Gabrielle, who are now 13 and finishing middle school, or hearing on the news the latest horrible school shooting, there are all sorts of triggers all the time. You know, God... um, has given me the strength and the courage uh, to testify and tell the story. And I feel like it's my responsibility to do so. But if you read through the book, it starts with journal entries that I never had an intention of publishing, where in the days and weeks and months and years following this, I wrestled. I wrestled with this. I wrestled with God. I wrestled with what life would look like. I wrestled with whether or not I even wanted to be alive in a world where this happened and in a world where my daughter would not be. And so, you know, I don't think it does anyone a service to pretend to be made of steel right. um, and to pretend to, I don't have any superhuman strength. I don't have any superhuman answers, but I have a superhuman God and he has guided me every single day. I'm curious when you, as you process this, as you continue to, to process this, and and, and, and I know, I, I know it's going to be tough. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna hit that 18th birthday or the 16th. Mm-hmm. She could have driven. I mean, there's there's just it is never going to leave you. Um, but when you take those things to God, um, have you heard anything specifically for you? Have there been any moments, or is it just the comfort of Scripture or a community? What kind of where has God shown himself in your grieving process in your healing in all these things i would say e all of the above yeah so i started with the book of job and then went to the book of isaiah um and started looking for all of the yets and nevertheless in the bible um because on each side of those are stories of people who dealt with extraordinary circumstances, who were perhaps put in positions they couldn't have imagined, who felt punished, who uh, were in circumstances, whether it was their fault or not, Mm -hmm. um, that were tragic. And the other side of that is always God. The other side of that is always God. I love the story in the New Testament of Paul and, uh, you know, being on a boat and the storms come and he says, this boat is going down. This boat is going to crash. Eat now. It's going to crash. Nevertheless, Mm. our lives will be spared. Mm. And so, you know, I think God's word certainly has spoken to me in a profound way. He also has put people in my life. And I think for those who are struggling right now, one of the other things I talk about in the book that's important is you know, we may think we know who will be there for us. And you just don't. You just don't. It may not be that best friend. It may not be a family member. It may be too much for them. It may be too close for them. 
but God will provide. His His grace is sufficient. And so I had class moms who I, you know, was friendly with and knew who stepped up in such important and intimate and courageous ways um, after this happened in the way, frankly, that some of the folks who I was close to just could not. And so, you know, he, he showed up in the people that surrounded me. Um, you know, I, I say now I have an army and I do of, of love and support from friends and family who have stood by me, who've stood by the foundation, who came and sat in court uh, during the trial. Um, and so, you know, I find that God, God shows up wherever you're brave enough to look. And it's only in our human frailty that we miss him. Um, it doesn't always have to literally be a burning bush. Um, but as I talked to you and glanced to the side, um, I saw a butterfly go by. And as you can see, butterflies are, are the theme for um, Gabrielle's wings and for this playground. So that's God. That's God. I could call it a coincidence. I could say, oh, isn't that a pretty butterfly? Or I can listen and say, that's God speaking to me in this moment. Yeah, or, or we could go with the, the God winks, as another gentleman in your business <laughs> likes to refer yeah. to them. as. I love yes. those. Uh, so I, I want to ask you this, because I, in talking to people, some of whom have lost children in these well-known school shootings, mm-hmm. um, the one, one question that I find interesting and recurring has to do with the shift often that takes place uh, after a tragedy like this or a crime like this. Um, and, and that is to an eternal perspective of things, realizing that this life is just a very small part of eternity and that God knows that. Uh, and that it, 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 and when I lost my younger sister, when, when she was 40, mm-hmm. I, I went through some of this, um, do you feel like you've shifted to a more eternal perspective, which would be a more godly perspective? I do. I do. You know, I not only lost my daughter, but when I was in my early 20s, my mother died suddenly of a cerebral aneurysm at 50. And her mother was dying at the time of cancer. So I lost them within 90 days of each other. And so I think that, you know, in my in my humanness, in my human mind, some of the people I love the most are with our Heavenly Father. And so I look for the connection to the Holy Spirit, the connection to those I love um, in nature and signs around me in my prayer and quiet meditation time. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, it's one thing to read scripture. You know, I think faith and scripture can be like an insurance policy you may not read the fine print until you hit a car, right? Right, exactly. (laughs) And then you're going to know that policy. You're going to know the ins and outs, and you're going to see how good the policy is if it really does what it's supposed to do. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've never heard that analogy, but that is exactly it. (laughs) All right. The last thing I I want you to do, and you've you've obviously talked about your foundation, Gabrielle's Wings, but I really really want to honor her and honor you and let you just – I don't know, give the full pitch, give whatever it is that you say about that, because I really think, I think that's important. So tell us anything you want to tell us about Gabrielle's Wings and how people can support that. Fantastic. Well, for starters, they can go to Gabrielle'sWings.org. 
And the name of the foundation came from the idea of the butterfly effect and that a small change, small you know, motion can make a big impact. And so my daughter was blessed to be in a home where she was afforded a lot of opportunities, whether it was STEM summer camp or a private Montessori um, that a lot of children who look like her just would not have. And so Gabrielle's Wings is focused on elementary age children, um, children in underserved communities to try to offer them those those things that that will stand in the gap. We know those elementary years are so important. So one example is a program we're doing with the YMCA of Greater Seattle, where we are paying for uh, black and brown kids to have free water safety lessons because statistics show that black and brown children die four times as much by drowning as their white counterparts. We also have sponsored uh, in local community centers and church centers, what we call Gabriel's Corners, which are reading and educational spaces. Um, we have one in Cape Town, South Africa, that has evolved because of COVID, not just into a reading and computer lab, but an elementary classroom. Um, because of the needs that have shifted during COVID. And we just had a mission group come back that built an outdoor classroom. So overall, whether it's this beautiful playground back of me, I wish I was actually sitting there, um, that was built for children of all abilities, um, scholarships to STEM camps through camp, uh, through church programs um, or through community programs. We look for ways to stand in the gap for children who just need that extra push to get them where they deserve to go. I love it. Uh, and what a way to honor her, her life, her unfortunately too short life. But um, I love that you're just carrying on her memory in, in a healthy way, in a way that will help and inspire others. That's that's very good. I need to show people your website, and I'm sorry to have to do this to you, but your website is michelledhord.com, and the rule on this program is when you use your initial and your URL, I have to ask you, what does the D stand for? <laughs> But fortunately, nothing dastardly. It stands for Denise. Okay. That's very nice. <laughs> Michelle, Denise. I love that. Okay. Michelle, thank you. I appreciate you so much. Um, oh, thank just, you. You know, sharing your story as hard as I'm, I, again, it's just hard for me to relate because of the, as, like you say, as a parent, I have four children and, and I just, mm -hmm. and I have a grandson now and I just, I, that level of, of heartache is just too much for me to handle. And so I, I just, I respect your strength, your resilience, uh, and your determination to really keep spreading the light in a world that is unfortunately really dark at times. So thank you. Is there anything else I missed that you want to mention before I let you go? You know, just one last thing I want to say um, is that, you know, to anyone who's listening and watching, this was unimaginable, but our God can overcome even the unimaginable, whatever that looks like in your life today. Thank you for that. I appreciate you. Thank you. Appreciate you guys watching. Hit share, hit like, follow, subscribe, all those good things if you haven't. Uh, and check out Michelle's book. It's available the other side of yet, wherever you get books. And come back. We've got more for you next time here on Life Today Live. God mercy. Same for you, the same for every man, human, Gentile, and Mohammedan, whether they believe it or not. We float on this vast, limitless sea of divine mercy.